Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, NPR reporters Vanessa Romo and Alina Selyuk. All right, let's start the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that is all I have to say about the beginning of the song. Hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. I'm broadcasting from NPR West in Culver City, California. Still in my running shorts. Uh, but my two guests today are at NPR headquarters in D.C. Hello to both of you. Hey, Sam. I wish I was wearing running shorts. <laughs> Alina Selyuk covers tech for NPR. Vanessa Romo covers just about everything for NPR's breaking news blog, The Two-Way. I'm glad you guys are here today. This is my second time, and okay. I cannot believe it. Me too. I'm a two-timer. We should start hey, a spinoff and call it It's Been Two Minutes. <laughs> it would be great. I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> you guys, our uh, fourth guest today on the show is Miss Britney Spears. Did you hear that song? Oh, yeah. A colleague of ours pointed out this week, his name is Danny Nett. On Twitter, he tweeted this week that this song, Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again, turned 18 years old this week. Oh, that is so painful. Right? No. You know what, though? But it gave me a chance to just play this song all week, and I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it's, it. It's one of the best. Uh, and this song itself was written by a songwriter named Max Martin. He's this Swedish pop writer supreme mm-hmm. who has written hits for everyone for like the last 20 years. His story is amazing. Right? People should read about it. He's written pretty much anything, like every year in top 40. There's wow, I had written. no idea. He's still making hits. There's this wonderful book that basically outlines the way that Swedish songwriters took over American pop music. It's called The Song Machine Inside the Hit Factory by a guy named John Seabrook. Totally fascinating. Uh, Max Martin, thank you. Britney Spears, thank you. Uh, So Vanessa and Alina and Brittany are here with me to look back on the week of news, culture, and everything else. Let's get into it, guys. We're each going to describe how this week of news felt in only three words. Alina, you're going to go first. So um, my three words are the long shadow. And that is it's it's dark. But what it really kind of has come to mean to me is this feeling of constant repetition that's in the news. Um, Hmm. I don't follow the news like super closely. I'm kind of living in my own bubble of tech and retail these days. But every time I read the news, it just seems like the same themes pop up over and over. And specifically this week. So, for instance, the nuclear threat from North Korea. Um, That looms over so many different trade negotiations, for example, with South Korea that the U.S. has been having. Um, The North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, visited China this week on this like stealth trip that wasn't so stealth after all. Um, And that was a major conversation there. So um, that's one theme. And then another theme is, of course, the poisoning of the former Russian spy, the double agent in London. And now we're seeing reactions and then reactions to reactions. The U.S. is ousting Russian uh, diplomats. European countries are ousting Russian diplomats. Now Russia is ousting Western and American diplomats. Um, And it just seems like these ripples of the same story keep coming out. And the third story I want to mention is goes even further back, which is Ferguson. Mm. 
Um, and oh. the ripples of that that we're seeing. Talking about the Michael Brown yeah. case in Ferguson? Exactly. But also, huh. the, you know, the the fact that we're still talking about police brutality and police shootings. With Stefan Clark. Stefan Clark. Um, For those who might not know, what's that case about? So um, this week there are massive protests in Sacramento about um, shooting of Stefan Clark, who is an unarmed um, black man, 22 years old, was shot by police in the backyard of his grandparents. Um, after a report of um, a suspicious man breaking, allegedly breaking windows in the neighborhood, the cops turned up, and this is what ended up happening. It's just like this this perpetual um, story. Oh yeah, and with all of those things that you bring up, there seems to be no resolution in sight. I mean, even thinking about North Korea, we have seen North Korea's leader really show some true acumen. He is making himself seem like a statesman on the level of other leaders by what he's doing with these things like his China visit. And I think at this point, there's a conversation about President Trump meeting with the leader of North Korea and South Korea, with the leaders of both North Korea and South Korea and China. I don't know that China is involved in that meeting, but they're definitely involved um, from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa, you got three words? I do. Um, they are, you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have been writing a lot about Stormy Daniels, uh, the former porn star who alleged having a f- an affair with President Trump, and also Karen McDougal, the former Playboy playmate who has also said that she had a 10-month-long love affair with Trump. Um, Mm. So you were saying, because we've been hearing a lot in the last week from both of these women. And Trump, who is well known for his love of Twitter, right? And like wastes no time in taking to Twitter to express his feelings on anything, on on Coke, on Pepsi, on people's weight, on anything else. Yeah. Um, He has not tweeted about Stormy Daniels or Karen McDougal at all. In fact, the New York Times ran this great story earlier this week where they counted that since he's been commander in chief, Trump has tweeted 2,900 times, 2,900 times. And not one of those mentioned Stormy Daniels or Karen McDougal. So I thought that was really by name. Yes. And of course, we have to point out that the White House has continually denied all of these affairs. I have to say, though, this is also another example of a story that has a shockingly long shadow to me, Um, even in this this new cycle where things kind of blip and go away. And I think that's very intentional by both Stormy Daniels' team and even Kerrigan McDougal's team. Oh, yeah, they're smart. They know how to keep this stuff in the news. Right. And the thing that Michael Cohen and now his lawyers and then Trump's other lawyers all want is to force all of these cases back into arbitration, right? So Mm. they can remain seized behind closed doors out of the public eye so no one will know what's happening. And the thing that Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal really want is to force this out into the public. Gotcha. I have three words, you guys. Let's hear them. Hold them hostage. And usually I try to use my three words to connect the dots between multiple stories. But this week I was just really obsessed with one. Uh, This Atlanta cyber attack 
I think you've covered this, Vanessa, right? Yeah, I just wrote about I just wrote a big giant story about it and talked to a ton of people who have been affected by the same thing. I mean, it's everywhere. It's school districts, law enforcement, hospitals. hospitals. It's really yeah. terrifying. So basically this week, some cyber attackers laid siege to Atlanta's government data. They threatened to wipe all of the city of Atlanta's computers totally clean unless they got a ransom payment of about fifty one thousand dollars in Bitcoin. When I saw that figure. I was like, y'all, dream bigger. You only want $51,000? Anyway, I digress. So they shut down. Wait, wait, wait. But it's $51,000 per like no. a hard drive. It's total? No, total. It's They're asking for, I think, six Bitcoin, which amounts okay. to about $51,000 at the moment. Yeah. Also, Sam, I should say, they didn't threaten to wipe out all of their computers. It's okay. just like some computers. But the ones that were affected were crazy. So like the Atlanta court can't see cases residents can't pay their like utility bills online police officers are writing reports and booking inmates by by hand hand. and this has been going on all week there's no wi-fi at the atlanta airport it's bananas so then on top of that these cyber attackers have a website like a ransom website basically saying atlanta you can pay us here it was secret but then midway through the week a local tv station in atlanta tweeted out the link and shared it. And then that website for the ransom payment was overloaded with, like, randos posting stuff. And then they had to take the <laughs> ransom website down. Yes, they said it was. They got too much spam. What is going on, Atlanta? <laughs> so what's happening now with it, Vanessa? Like, what's the latest? So the latest is we actually don't know. Um, we don't know if Atlanta has decided to pay off the attackers because that's actually something that people do. I mean, just last month, the city of Leeds in Alabama, they had a similar ransomware attack where the hackers were asking for $12,000. And they were just like... Why are they aiming so low? Yes, across the board, they're not asking for loads and loads of money. I mean, there is another case in that I also wrote about. There was a case in Buffalo, New York, a hospital there. The hackers Uh threatened them with $30,000. They were were (laughs) trying to extort them for $30,000 thousand dollars the hospital said no way no thank you so what happened they were shut down for six weeks and in the end it cost them 10 million (sighs) dollars to recover all of their data so in a lot of cases it just behooves you to pay the money and just get on with it although i'm pretty sure that sort of like the the federal guidelines or the directions from the uh, investigators will be pretty clear to not the Engage. FBI the FBI has a gremlins kind of policy which is like don't feed them after midnight and don't <laughs> get them wet right so they basically say uh, when you pay these hackers it just encourages them to do yeah. this again and then and you never know this could the money could be going to a really illicit purpose some illicit activity yeah. so yeah. don't do well, it of course they understand it. that it's sometimes in the better interest of a of a city, of a school district, of a to hospital. To just get it over with. To just get it over with. Yeah. Well, before someone hacks this show, we're going to go to a break. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to talk about whether there's any real possibility that the government starts to regulate big companies like Facebook. And also, we will talk to a teacher in Oklahoma because teachers there might be striking because they haven't had a raise in 10 years. All right. This is It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Discover Card. You check your email or social media all the time, but Discover asks, what about checking something as important as your credit score? 
Well, Discover makes it quick and easy with their credit scorecard, which is free for everyone, even if you're not a customer. See your FICO credit score and other important credit information. And once you know your score, you should check to see if your current credit card is the best fit for you. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Support for NPR and the following message come from Netflix, presenting the film Paradox. Daryl Hannah's debut feature-length film builds on the success of her short that won a jury prize at the Berlin Film Festival in 1993. Starring Neil Young, Micah Nelson, and Lucas Nelson, Paradox is Hannah's personal expression of music and love. Paradox is now available to stream on Netflix. When C.C. Wong met his mom's new tenant, he never suspected he'd end up getting replaced as a son, or that his replacement might have sinister motives. This week, Invisibilia looks at the things we don't say to our loved ones and the misunderstandings it can lead to. Listen on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests who will tell you who they are. I'm Alina Selyuk, and I'm a business reporter at NPR. I'm Vanessa Romo, and I cover breaking news. Awesome. So, you guys, before we get back into the news, I have a question for you about a weird thing I saw this week on the internet. Um, <laughs> Which one? First, Do tell. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, there is a new condiment option uh, in the world this week. Uh, sliceable ketchup. Did what? you guys see this? Sliceable ketchup. It is ketchup that you can like layer on a sandwich like a piece of cheese. Because it's like Uh, NBC said of it. So the slice, quote, resembles a thin piece of fruit leather, is Mm. made from vine, ripened tomato puree, distilled vinegar, cane sugar, kosher salt, onion, and garlic powders, and fruit pectin. The company making this, they're called Bo's Original Slice of Sauce. Their whole argument is this makes ketchup less messy. So my question for you guys, would you use that? I am so grossed out right now. No (laughs) way. Also, get it together, people, for whom it's too ketchup is too messy. How messy is your regular ketchup habit that you need? It it can be messy. So then, what condiment would you guys change if you could? I would. I would go for a a leathery honey layer. I am so impressed by how quickly you came up with that because it's a genius idea. It bothers me. I think think the honey bear is out to get me every time. It also, it's so slow in coming out of the thing. There you go. They should have asked me. You guys, uh, we'll talk more about ketchup later, but now it's time for a segment that we call Long Distance. We call someone out in the country or the world, and we ask them about what's going on in their neck of the woods. So, you guys, this week, I wanted to call a teacher in Oklahoma because Oklahoma teachers might strike beginning on Monday. Uh, This comes after teachers in West Virginia striked for a pay raise earlier this year. So, in Oklahoma, teachers make about $38,000 a year. They want a pay raise. There was a bill that passed and was signed this week in Oklahoma that raises their pay by about $6,000 on average per teacher. But as of Friday, when we're taping this, uh, the teachers say it's not enough yet. The largest teachers union in the state of Oklahoma, they're calling for a walkout on Monday. So that's the background. Um, I called up a teacher in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's a first grade teacher with Tulsa Public Schools. Her name is Manya Brown. We caught her on her lunch break. Let's listen. Hey, Manya. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, well, you know, physically fine. Okay. Mentally, it's just, you know, everything is kind of up in the air. 
you know, having a hard time focusing and doing my job with all this that's going on. Um, so the latest, it seems, the State House in Oklahoma passed a bill, and the bill was signed that would put up, what, like over $400 million to give teachers like you a pay raise. Uh-huh. But that's still, what, like a fraction of what you guys want, right? It's a fraction of what we want, you know, and it is it is a start. We are acknowledging that. And I, I don't want to say we because I'm definitely speaking for myself. Mm-hmm. I am acknowledging that. However, um, it needs to be taken a little bit more seriously. It's not exactly what we as a whole are asking for. What do your first graders think about all of this? Do they know what's going on? They don't really know what's going on. They, I hear them talk. They say they, you know. You in your car? Talk, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. Are you driving somewhere? On my lunch break. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, are you safe to drive and be on the phone right now? Oh, I'm I'm with another teacher, so I'm in the passenger seat. Okay, all right. Uh, you need us to pull over. I'm well, sorry. no, but 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 that said, if you're going to be where you're going in like five minutes, we can just call you back oh, in yeah. five. Oh uh-huh. yeah. You want to do that? Uh huh. Okay, we'll call you back in five minutes. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, you still there, Manya? Yes. All right. Thank you so much for that. Sorry we had to have you. No, that's okay. okay. I just, you know, it's just the life of a teacher. Always going. Always moving. It. Yeah, I understand. So if if I got this down correctly, you only make, as a teacher, teaching first grade, you only make $38,000 a year. Uh, how does that work yeah. out? How hard is it to make ends meet with that much money a year? You know, it's very hard. Um, I find myself always just juggling juggling bills what should i pay this month what can hold off can i call this place and see if i can get an extension maybe you getting your my gas cut off or having really yeah a lot of us spend money on students i know i extra snacks you know and that kind of things it it adds up and you don't really think about it until till the gas about to get cut off right yeah you uh, have a spouse and, what, two kids? Mm-hmm. How old are your kids? They're 11. We're getting ready to be 11 and 5. Uh, so what does your um, husband do? My husband, he uh, works at American Airlines. Okay. And he has a second job as well. Really? What's his second job? His second job, he cleans buildings. Okay. And so, you know, one of my goals, and I was just talking with some colleagues yesterday, is, you know, I want to be able to make a, a little bit of extra money so that, He can stay at home with our family. Mm. If I did the math correctly, Mm -hmm. this new bill that was just signed, uh, the Mm -hmm. raise that it gives a teacher like yourself making what you make, it'll be about $400 extra a month after taxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. How would that change things for you, $400 extra in your pocket every month? Would it it allow your husband to lose that second job? Would, Would there be concrete changes from that much money? I mean, I don't really think it will. I may be able to put a little extra on utilities, maybe, or for my my own kids, you know, maybe not shopping at Goodwill to get the uniforms. Maybe we'll go uh, and get uniforms at Old Navy or, you know, something like that. It'll be a, a little bit, but it won't be a significant change is what I'm saying. Yeah. I know that you were telling me earlier that you've there's been a wide level of support across the state for what teachers like you were trying to do. But have you heard any criticism of a potential teacher strike? And if so, 
what is that criticism and like what does it sound like? I haven't hardly heard anything, to be honest with you. Um, I ran into, I went into Family Dollar because I coupon. Um, he had a misconception. I, I, I forgot about this, but you're bringing it back to my to my uh, thoughts. So he he, you mean a guy that works there at the store? Uh huh. So he said, "You teachers, you know, you have you're off in the summer and you this and all of this kind of stuff." And I asked him. I said, "Well, if you don't mind me asking, how much money do you make?" And he's an assistant manager at at Family Dollar. And he told me he made fifty two thousand last year. That's more than you. I know. So now when I go in, he's in my neighborhood family dollar, and I say, I call him 52, so we have a, a, a running joke now. And so he's like, I didn't know. I said, exactly. And so no one knows. I don't see how you guys do it. I don't see how you do it. That's, you know, the consensus of, oh, I couldn't teach. I couldn't do it. So don't beat us down because this is what we like to do. Yeah. What salary for you personally would make you satisfied? I believe that teachers should start at least at 50000 Okay. Do you think that the state will get there? Because right now the I raise that they're – I mean, because the raise they signed doesn't take you there. And I and I get that. And, and notice I said start. So, you know, that's if you're a first-year teacher and you're, that's your first year. So what I'm saying is these are steps that we're trying to get there. You okay. know, years from now, hopefully – we're going to be competitive, and we're going to get those colleges recruits that want to come to Oklahoma and teach, and students have all the resources that they need, and they don't have to share test books, and that's what we want. That's what we're striving for. Yeah. Besides getting ready for a strike on Monday, what are your plans for the weekend? Anything fun planned? Well, you know, just time with family, Easter egg hunting, and getting ready for church on Sunday, and, you know, just Normal, what everyone else pretty much does. Okay. And then we'll see what happens when we wake up on Monday. All right. I thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate talking with you and your being open with your story. And I hope you and your kids have a wonderful Easter. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Special thanks to listener Liz Beard. She's also a teacher in Tulsa. She helped us find Manya. All right, so back in the studio with Vanessa and Alina. That call was so interesting to me, you guys, because, like, even for her to take 10 minutes to talk to me, she was, like, working. You hear mm-hmm. her moving boxes around. You hear her driving with her teacher friend somewhere else. We assume that people in certain professions are just doing well because they went to school and that's that. Right. She's making less than her local Dollar General assistant manager. I wish, I wish, and I don't know how this could ever happen, but I wish people could have honest conversations about salaries. Um, Mm. And and maybe not um, on an individual basis, but sort of on a professional basis, just Hmm. within your community. Because I think in that circumstance, it sounded like the dollar manager really had his eyes opened to the reality of another person about whom he made assumptions earlier. Exactly. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests today, Vanessa Romo, who covers breaking news for NPR's two-way blog, and Alina Seljuk, who covers tech and retail for NPR. Both of them joining me from D.C. Hey there, hey there, hey there. Hi. Hey, Sam. So it's time for our main story of the week. I want to talk about Facebook. You know, Mm -hmm. we've been hearing nonstop now for the last two weeks or so all about Facebook and its ties to this 
kind of shady data firm, Cambridge Analytica. That's the firm that used Facebook data from like 50 million people to possibly influence uh, the 2016 election. Since this has come to light, big tech is under fire. Mark Zuckerberg, who leads Facebook, might actually testify in front of Congress. Uh, He's also said that he may be open to Congress and the federal government regulating his company, which is a new development. So my big question for us today is, are we as a country ready to regulate big tech? And if so... What does that look like? Um, Alina, you've been covering this issue for some time. Mm -hmm. What does regulation of a company like Facebook look like and where is it happening? From what I can tell right now, the place where that is happening is Europe. Europe. Well, in the U.S., it doesn't look like anything. Um, Okay. It doesn't (laughs) exist right now. But in the next few weeks, on May 25th, a new law goes into effect in Europe, and it's called the General Data Protection Regulation. And Mm -hmm. that law essentially will tell companies that if you have users in one of our 28 EU countries, Mm -hmm. you have to get affirmative consent for any data collection. So they have to get opt-in, very explicit from the users. So basically, if you start on a social media company, the default is that like nothing is really shared unless you say yes to it? Unless specifically the user approves of you collecting that information to begin with. There's so many other things to that law. There's also... um, what's known as the right to be forgotten, which is this permission for people to ask internet companies to remove certain content about them. The popular version of that is the Google search results. If some Google search result about you um, harms you, you can petition Google um, to remove it from the search results. And this will be enshrined into law come May in Europe. Another one is minors under 16 will have to get parental permission to even access websites like Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram. And the final one is there's the companies will get three days to disclose any kind of data breach. So huh. this is the most um, kind of specific and targeted oversight Yeah. Um, that the companies have ever faced. And and all of this comes with massive fines attached to potential violations. So, okay, so all of that is about to happen in Europe. We're probably not going to see that here. But Mm -hmm. we have seen some efforts to regulate privacy and data before, and it hasn't gone so successfully. I'm talking about uh, the Obama administration trying to regulate data and internet service providers, right? Yeah, so we're having this kind of interesting dichotomy in the U.S., which is that internet companies, like your social media companies, are not regulated by pretty much any government body, um, except for the FTC, which is not a preemptive kind of Mm -hmm. um, authority. What we do have is the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, which does oversee some parts of the broader internet community, specifically the internet providers, companies like telecom companies, right? Like Comcast, AT&T, like where I get my internet from. Exactly. And so... Um, I'm going to utter these words, net neutrality. Um, Uh When the net neutrality rules were passed by the Obama administration, part of the net neutrality provisions kind of took the FCC down the path of trying to also write some privacy rules for the Internet providers because they could. And so... And also because I don't think most of us know these Internet providers also 
collect your data. Right. And the Obama administration wrote these rules that would have required Internet service providers to very specifically disclose what they're collecting, how they're using that data that they collect. Did that go into effect? No, because <laughs> okay. lo and behold, it took a while for these rules to be written, la da 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 the new Republican administration came in and um, essentially stopped the rules from going into effect. So I had never, I had no idea that this was even happening. So so Comcast or Xfinity or whatever, they know how often I visit my like bank account. They know how yeah. often I go to like madewell.com and order, <laughs> you know, socks, sparkly socks from them. I mean, they're, they're keeping track of all of this. Also sidebar, there's no Madewell for men, which sucks. <laughs> What they, like affordable J. Crew. Oh, boohoo! Things are hard for men. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> the, there's a big difference between what the internet providers can see versus what like a Facebook or specifically Google can see, um, and they don't see a lot of the content. Um, so, like, they might know that you go to Madewell. They might not know that you're buying socks. Actually, another element to all of this is that Facebook and Google also do track your presence on other websites. Um, they have these hmm. little breadcrumbs that they plug across the internet. So when you go on a random website, there will be a little breadcrumb on that website that informs Facebook that you'd visited this website. Google also can see what you're chatting with people about or this, writing in emails. That this sort of thing. is the thing that's so terrifying to me. So like, Alina, my question is, what has Facebook changed since this scandal with Cambridge Analytica, if anything? Right. So Facebook has been pushing this idea that they're really making big changes uh, in response to this outcry of Cambridge Analytica. A lot of the changes already took place in 2015, sort of huh. at the time. They they stopped allowing Facebook information to be shared with third-party developers. They are now working on a transparency effort to show who funds the ads that you can see. This week, they sort of rolled out new version of privacy settings that are supposed to make it even easier for you to go on and fix and 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 match your own level of privacy to what Facebook has for you. But I'm just hmm. I'm so skeptical because we've heard apologies in the past and we've heard these you know proclamations of you know mea culpa from Zuckerberg and he promises that things will get better for users and they won't be abused or sold. Um, yeah, and yet. You know, here we are again, right? So is this actually real? There's there's this fundamental idea that's ingrained in the business model of Facebook and Google, which is different from most other companies, even the largest ones like Apple or Microsoft, which is that they make most of their money by selling our data. So this kind of philosophical question gets tossed around a lot. There's been a lot of think pieces about this, which is who is the customer of Facebook. The advertisers are the customers and the consumers. We are we're the product. The product. This time feels different, though, because I feel like there are people in Congress talking about doing something, right? Like last week, a senator from Massachusetts, a Democrat, Ed Markey, uh, he talked about like a privacy bill of rights. That would guarantee that every American know uh, when information is being gathered about them know when that information is being reused for purposes other than which the consumer wanted it to be used. And third, and most importantly, they have a right to say no. It just be the law of the land, not just for Facebook, for, but for any of these online companies. This is the moment of reckoning. Moment of reckoning. Do you buy that, Alina? I kind 
of do. I don't、okay. know where it will take us. I think this is a moment that a lot of regular people can understand in terms of privacy conversations.、Hmm. People feel very connected to their own personas online. There's a big push by some advocates to bring those European laws to the U.S.、Hmm. This kind of forceful opt-in requirement on internet companies.、Um, the FTC is investigating Facebook. Yet again,、right. um, so the outcome of that investigation may or may not come to light eventually. May or may not result in some kind of change. I find it really hard to imagine how Facebook pivots and changes their business model, as we talked about. This concept that their money comes from advertising, which relies on the data that it collects about you.、Um, so I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. This is、yeah. this is like a peak and a valley. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I started off feeling like、uh, comforted just, by you, but then by the end, <laughs> I'm still as scared as I was before this conversation started. So basically, this story has legs. It won't go away. We'll probably check in with you again very soon, Alina, because the internet. More than ever is a scary place. On that dark note. <laughs> On that dark note, we're gonna go to a break. When we come back, we'll play a really fun, uplifting game called "Who Said That." This is "It's Been a Minute" from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your home or office. Buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or package using your computer and printer, and the mail carrier picks it up. It's so convenient. For a four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale, go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in "minute." Sometimes the economy is kind of hard to understand, or you know, not that exciting. But not on Planet Money. You can think of our show as a guide to business and the economy, except it's fun and exciting. Planet Money. Find us wherever you found this podcast. You're listening to "It's Been a Minute" from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests, Vanessa Romo and Alina Seljuk, both reporters for NPR. With me today. Hi. Hey there. It is time, you guys, for my favorite favorite game. <laughs> This is my redemption tour. <laughs> Wait, did you lose last time? Oh, severely. <laughs> so the game is very simple. I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess who said that, or at least get close. Guess the story. Guess the keyword. We're not sticklers here.、Uh, the thing is, though, the winner gets absolutely nothing. And the loser gets to come back again, right? Right? <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. You can always play again. This is the best game because of that reason.、Uh, you guys ready? Let's do this.、Sure. All right. Here's the first quote. I really do love this one. Them little tweets don't phase me. McDonald's be so lazy. I know the reason you hating me, cause I'm fast food's first lady. It has to be Wendy's. Yes. <laughs> I don't know the story, but it has to be Wendy's. <laughs> so 
Wendy's just released a mixtape full of a woman rapper, like, dissing McDonald's and Burger King. (laughs) The songs are hilarious. The production is actually pretty top-notch. And there's one song off the mixtape, Rest in Grease, that is just hot fire. It's Queen Wendy up in this thing. Y'all can't beat a certain thing. No. I want to be in that corporate meeting <laughs> where somebody says, God. What was the casting process? I for know. This? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> this Wendy's mixtape hit number three on no. the iTunes hip hop charts no. recently. I'm not it's for real. There are no rules to anything anymore, right? I know I sound like a really old person <laughs> saying that, but it's like, true. nothing means anything anymore. Here's the thing. Yeah, there are no rules. There is just content. Content. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alina, you're up one. Time for the what, next what? quote. You ready? Yes. They joke that the president and Congress are all clowns. Well, in my professional opinion, they are the worst clowns I've ever seen. Who said that? Some clown professional clown that's actually right (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna give it to you this is a former clown named steve lau a no longer practicing clown no longer practicing clown he used to work for ringling brothers circus now he's running for congress as a democrat in south carolina's fifth district can i tell you his website uh yes his website is clownforcongress.com no. <laughs> right so we've been hearing for months now that there is this coming blue wave uh in the november midterms where all of these dims and left folks who are energized are running for office and the numbers apparently are astronomical it's, that's probably true because even the clowns are running for office so when he says when he says they're all clowns it's a good thing in his opinion because yeah, he's a clown for congress i mean how does this add up you can go to clownforcongress.com and find all, learn all about, about it, it. Okay. learn all about it okay. yeah and then facebook will track it forever <laughs> i will be advertised too it's all good ready for the last quote yes <laughs> Quote, I would like to thank my writers, all liberals. It has been fun to talk with you and jam. You are all wonderful. Who said that? It was a reboot of a thing that was very popular in the culture in the 90s. It Roseanne. Came back in a... Yeah, I Vanessa, got one. You got one. So Roseanne, her show came back to TV this week. Uh, the premiere was watched by about 18 million people. Yeah, huge uh, ratings. Huge, huge ratings. It was so big, Donald Trump called her to congratulate her because right. the whole premise of Roseanne this time is that they are a family of Trump supporters. Or a divided family. They're okay. not all. Roseanne a... is a Trump supporter. Yes. I yes. watched a little trailer. Uh, Did you enjoy it? Uh, you know what? I loved Roseanne when I was a kid. I Same. loved that show. I thought it was like a really great show about like working class families and just kind of a great depiction of the way that normal people lived, which was a great contrast to everything else that was on TV at the time. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, yes, as you mentioned, Trump found the time to pick up the phone. And I think he may have also tweeted about it, which, you know. Wow. Um, so the game is over. Alina, I think you won. How are we not talking about Beyonce yet? Wait for it. This is our bonus quote. I was going to give you, I was going to make one of the Who Said That quotes this week all about Beyonce, but you already know what that is. So we'll just give you a little bonus and say, My favorite quote of the week was this quote, Near the end of the party, Beyonce's at the bar. So I said to Beyonce, Did she really bite you? 
<laughs> that, of course, was Tiffany Haddish, my favorite comic of the moment. In a GQ profile, she describes this party scene in which an unnamed actress uh, bites Beyonce, leading Tiffany to want to confront the actress and fight her. Beyonce <laughs> says, no, don't do it. Don't do it. She's but on drugs. But since this has been revealed, we have all been trying to figure out Hashtag who bit Beyonce. Did you see what Tiffany had to say uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago when she was asked about this one more time? Well, first she said, NDAs are real. Stop asking me about this. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then proceeded to say that there are a lot more important things to worry about. For example... Have you done your taxes yet? They're due (laughs) real soon. Tiffany, you know what, though? Tiffany, as much as I love her, she stepped in it. You can't bring that up and not expect the entire world. It's unfair. It's been great. Listeners, if you know, let us know. Um, I will tell you, though, no one's biting over here. But the clear winner of the game is Alina. You won who said that. Congratulations. (laughs) How does it feel? I feel feel, uh, redeemed. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. She's glowing. Well, you get that and nothing else because there is no prize. That's all right. Now it's time to end the show. As we always do, we ask our listeners every week to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. They do. Let's take a listen. Hi, Sam. This is Tina calling from Michigan. And the best thing that happened to me this week is that I got my first flock of 25 baby chickens. Wow. 25. That's a lot. Hey, Sam. This is Amy in San Diego, and the best thing that happened to me this week was marrying my boyfriend of eight years on a beach in Belize. Congrats. My husband and I took eight whole days off of work and went to Paris, France. Amazing. Wow. I ran my 16th half marathon today. Congrats. After 11 years, I submitted my PhD thesis to be examined. Hey, Sam. This is Austin from Long Beach, California. Best thing that happened to me this week was I managed to get in as a VIP guest of Travis Barker Whoa. at a Blink-182 show. Amazing. <laughs> Hi, Sam. This is Maya from Chennai, India. And the best thing that happened to me this week was that I graduated high school as the valedictorian. Congratulations. And I gave a speech that made a bunch of people cry. Oh. Hey, Sam. It's Joe from Greenfield, Mass. But I'm, right now, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, because after many months of not getting any work as a makeup artist or makeup designer, uh-huh. I found out about a month ago I would be designing Jesus Christ Superstar Live on NBC. Wow. And right now, I am walking in, and we are doing camera tests. Wow. And, yeah, it's been kind of incredible. Good luck. Congratulations, man. Hi, Sam. This is Laura from Centerville, Utah. The best thing that happened to me this week was on Sunday when I got the results from my Ancestry DNA test. Hmm. I was adopted at birth, and I have never um, connected with my birth family. And when I got my DNA results, I matched with a sister. And so I have been emailing with my birth sister for the beginning of this week, and it's been pretty awesome. So cool. Hi, Sam. This is Pamela calling from Vermont. About a year ago, my 16-year-old daughter was diagnosed with cancer, and it was right around the time that your show started airing. Mm. And we have spent the year mainly in the hospital, Uh. and I've listened to every one of your shows since it started. Um, The best Uh. thing that happened to me this week was my daughter is officially done with her chemotherapy treatments good, good, good. and cancer-free. Oh, man, that's great news. So I just wanted to say thanks for being there this year and um, take care. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, Congratulations. Man. Okay, thanks. Have a great day, Sam. Thanks. Bye. Thanks to all the voices you heard there. 
Tina with the 25 chickens. Uh, Amy, Kelsey, Christopher, Emily, Austin at the Blink 182 concert. <laughs> uh, Maya, congrats on being valedictorian. Uh, Joe, good luck with your show on NBC. Laura and Pamela, um, thank you for sharing that story. I'm so glad your daughter is cancer-free, and I am honored that we uh, could be a part of your last year or so. Um, we listen to all of these that come in. Keep them coming, along with the dog picks, cat picks, and soon-to-be 25 chicken picks. Can, I, can um, I throw in my brag? Yeah. My cat turned one, and oh. I made him wear a tiny cape. Oh, it was wonderful. His, Send us pictures. He's Instagram famous. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, you can always let us know the best parts of your week any week. Just email me at samsanders at npr.org. Samsanders at npr.org. With that, a special thanks again to my guests for this show, Vanessa Romo and Alina Seljuk, two wonderful reporters at NPR. And as always and forever, special thanks to Britney Spears for giving us gems like these. I'm so happy to be here this week for this. I guess we can say at we this did point, it again. We, we did, did it again. We did it again. With this show. <laughs> right? This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry with some help from Tom Dreisbach. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. And we were edited this week by Uri Berliner. Our big boss who signs the checks is Anya Grundman, NPR's VP of Programming. And before we go, got a quick correction from last week's episode. Uh, we talked about sanctuary cities and mentioned the town of Los Alamitos in California. Los Alamitos is not in Los Angeles County. It's actually in neighboring Orange County. Thanks to our attentive California listeners for pointing that out. Uh, refresh your feed Tuesday morning. I have a chat with the Oscar-winning actor Tim Robbins. He has a new show on HBO called Here and Now. But we also talk about one of the best films of all time that he was in, The Shawshank Redemption. That'll be in your feed Tuesday morning. Also, I asked you last week, I'm going to ask you again. If you like this show, put a rating on the show. Go to iTunes, rate us. It just helps folks find it. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll do it again. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon.